just because content will take time to like it does take time to rank doesn't mean it will automatically rank people think like if you do it it just automatically happens you just have to wait a year and so i think a lot of companies don't look at the right leading indicators you know they're not looking at are they getting original like first keywords are their keywords growing overall are they starting to get more and more impressions like those leading indicators of future traffic and future signups or whatever your conversions are We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO. So I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm excited to be joined by Jacob Radnik. Jacob and I are connected for quite some time now on LinkedIn, and I, I must say that I follow him, and I always wanted to get him on the show, so this is a very special one for me. Um, Jacob is the head of content at Scribe, where he managed to grow the blog, the blog's traffic from zero to 10k, uh, monthly visits in just three, uh, and a half months. Um, he has led content SEO teams at four companies, hired more than 25 content marketers. Um, and he has an expertise in all things content SEO. Um, and, uh, I'm sure that we will have a great episode today. Jacob, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've uh, I've been a long time listener, uh, so it's really nice to to join you know a bunch of great SEO and content people as a guest. I've been a long time follower, so it's nice to uh, to have you here. Uh, so the first question that I have for you, as we do uh, always here at the SaaSEO, so is about you and your background. Um, I'd love to know what you know were the uh, defining moments and. Uh, uh, some stories that you can share with us that brought you to where you are today. Yeah, um, I have a, a, I think a lot of SEO and content people have a non-traditional path to get there, non-linear at least, and mine is definitely that way. Uh, I mean, I graduated undergrad with a history and English degree and thought I would go to law school or teach, and I didn't want to do either of those when I graduated. I uh, worked in like retail sales for a couple of years, didn't like it, went to journalism school, did love that. Uh, worked in digital TV. So I was doing sports as a helping cut up sports highlights and do sports social media hits and things. And was producing a lot of content for this uh, company. Really enjoyed the job. Didn't enjoy working nights and weekends and making no money. And I think anyone who's been in journalism knows those kind of stories. So I got 
was looking for a job that paid a little bit more and had a normal, you know, kind of office environment and normal schedule and things and thought like tech sounds fun. You know, I've heard a little bit. I really knew nothing. I, uh, I can't tell you how little I knew. And I applied to a couple jobs. One of those jobs was a company called G2 Crowd. Didn't know anything about this, but they were raising their Series A at the time. They were hiring this little research team. I was employee number 31 or 32, um, came in as this research specialist. Didn't know really what that meant. Helped to do a little bit of everything, drive reviews, create content, create reports, um, just a lot of stuff. Didn't really know the why we were doing it or that whole picture, but was creating a lot of content. My journalism experience fit into that nicely. Um, did that for a couple of years, you know, went from content, uh, like research writer to research editor, started doing a little bit with community. Um, all of a sudden G2 is growing, 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 growing. All of a sudden it's kind of stagnating. The traffic is stagnating. I think down where I was, we didn't realize this as much, but you know, sea level and a little bit below, definitely worried about this. It was growing so much because you create categories and add products and reviews. And like the SEO is just working because there's more content on the site. It's this really programmatic um, content SEO approach. So stuff's growing, but just because the site is getting bigger and it's because there's like this big blue ocean, there's not many software review sites this time. But stuff starts to stagnate as competitors come in, other people realize that there's money to be made in this space. Um, so I get approached me and a, another person, Levi Olmsted, who you should have on the show. It's like my partner in crime, uh, one of the best SEO people I know. He's over at WhatFix. But we're approached by our two of the co-founders and they say, we don't know how to do this, but we know we're falling behind on backlinks and all the content we're writing, we're producing a ton of content at this point. It's not doing the type of content marketing that these other companies are doing. You know, we're not actually seeing this boost in organic traffic from the 500 blogs we just wrote last half. We need you to figure this out. Here's a couple playbooks. Here's Ahrefs. We'll help you where if you have a question and we hope we can answer, but we really don't know this stuff. Um, our SEO person had left six months earlier. The director of research had left. There was like no direction for this big team of research people. So we took that over, uh, kind of started reverse engineering. What are our competitors doing? What are people in this space doing? Like what on earth? Why do people link to things? How do you get links? Um, how do you write these topics? That went really well. We went from like 5,000 monthly blog visits to 50,000 really quickly, three or four months. A lot of like free software lists because G2 already had software lists, taking that and making them free. Um, we did a few other things, but that really worked well. At the same time, G2 had just hired this new CMO who came from HubSpot. HubSpot content like go hand in hand. He was going to run the HubSpot playbook at G2. Um, he brought over Levi and I to run that team to build out that team. So I was building out the content writers. Levi was building out like that offsite and community type of play. Uh, so we went from a team of four or five people to 30 people over the course of the next year and a half, took that blog from 50,000 to a million is like, we wrote this little case study. We did that within a year, but it grew to over a million and a half visitors. No idea what it is now. Uh, but that was, that's how I got into this. It was kind of by happenstance, stumbled to this company named G2. Uh, they grew really quickly, got really lucky that people trusted me to try to figure out this problem. And um, here we are, you know, a few years later. Okay, that's all very impressive. Uh, and I, I don't know, I have many questions uh, based on what you just said. I think the timing was great because you uh, joined G2, which which was about to explode in terms of organic traffic and become one of the greatest case studies. Uh, and I think that they are still growing uh, today. Um, and obviously, there, there has been a lot of work and um, sophistication in the way they were doing things and many learnings, I guess, um along the along the way can you please share some of these 
uh, learnings um, for for you and um, your time at C2? Yeah, there was, I mean, again, so many. We could go, we could do all day on this. There was, you know, at the beginning, we, so we created a category and we learned that when you got review, enough products to populate G2's famous grid that you had, you know, the people found value in that. And there's a trickle down effect where once that grid was populated, Google started to rank that better because there's content that people are seeing and, you know, people this boosted rankings. The same thing with product profiles. Once a product got its first review, it was much more likely to, you know, have traffic to rank at the top of like the product plus review term. So just get one review. That was a huge SEO play. Then also getting them to 10 reviews, which meant that, you know, I think these are arbitrary numbers. Eight reviews is probably very good as well, but 10, put them on the grid. It gave, you know, it gave people enough confidence that there was real data. Those type of things were, you know, at that programmatic level, those were some of the key learnings. Um, I think like, again, we had smart, we do, they do have smart co-founders. They generally understood SEO or like, you know, you're a founder, you want to know a little bit of everything. They came up with the idea of like creating category content. So we wouldn't just have the CRM category page, you'd write category content. So what is a CRM? How does it work? Benefits, whatever. But we weren't using, so it was a two piece where we did create a bunch of content like that. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but the research specialists weren't doing it with an SEO lens to it. They were doing it from like a, what we thought buyers were doing. Um, I think that content, this is, you know, during that sustained growth, but not that like skyrocketing growth, I think, where until we looked at the keywords and connected it to what people actually wanted and then talked to people and asked them what they wanted, not just as made assumptions on what they wanted, um, that content worked, but not as well as when you really were systematic about it and took that data-driven approach. And once we started doing that, I think that's where um, you saw like another level to this like current G2 trajectory where everything is so data driven and focused. Um, and then on like the, the learning side for us, it was, you, know, you can create a lot of content around those categories. So for a CRM, how does it work? How does someone buy it, implement it, whatever else that people are searching in that space. Um, but then also like people aren't just searching for a CRM. Sometimes they don't know, um, you know, how to organize my database. I mean, people know what CRM is, so it's probably the, a bad example, but like, like, let's say someone just wants to know how to automate my email marketing, like my, my email list, like they might need email marketing, or they might need marketing automation. So you can write these topics that were in between the categories, they weren't a software, you don't have a software list of software that automates my email. But you can write that thing and show people how to get to email marketing software, why that solves their problem. So it was like, kind of inverting the content that G2 already had and looking for the problems that the software solved and then writing about those and showing people where to find the tool that solved their problem. So it's really good learning. Like we made a lot of mistakes and didn't do that early enough. And, you know, I, I bet everybody wishes we could just go back in time and do it. And we would, you know, go like have this rocket ship go even faster. But for me, it's been really helpful as now I'm in SaaS, like a single SaaS product, looking at the problem first. Like, I mean, you can also do the category type lists, but looking at the problems that your tool solves and show people how your tool does that. It's a really great way to convert when you're thinking about more of like a, the single SaaS tool or like that PLG model. So the, a lot of G2 uh, lessons kind of apply just in a different way for me now. Great lessons. The question I have though, regarding Scribe is that, as I understand it, uh, I don't know if I could call it a new category, but it's not like it's so straightforward as a CRM is, you know, you, you can really, even if you don't have knowledge of a CRM, uh, you can, you have heard of it, you, you know what it does. 
how do you do that and how do you tackle that with with scribe where as i see it at least you kind of have to educate people that you know what there is a another solution and it can help you do things in a different way um which is not as straightforward as an existing category uh, you know it you are educated come and just evaluate our solution yeah, definitely. So scribe um, to give the 10 second pitch, but we you know we're a Chrome extension desktop app and you for any document or any step by step process that you need to show somebody or create, you know, for a knowledge base, whatever else you traditionally write into a Google Doc, you write the step, take a screenshot, make the arrow, make the circle, whatever else scribe is you start the, your Chrome extension instead of like taking the screenshots manually writing, you just do the process that you want to show somebody you hit stop. And Scribe spits out a URL with your screenshots and your steps all written out for you. You can edit those. You can make additions. You can make notes and things. You can combine the different steps. You know, if you misclick or you click something twice or whatever, you can delete out a step. But Scribe just takes all that manual work of writing, click here to do this. And it just says, click here to do this. Or it's a, you know, it has the screenshot with the highlight for you. So it's this tool that's creating all these different types of documentation. Uh, you're right that there's not like a very clear when I go to G2, if you like think of category creation for me coming from G2, which was literally creating defining categories. Um, it's a really interesting process. So we talk about it all the time like, and how important is creating that noun or that acronym or wherever we were going to be one day versus just like being scribe in this tool. Um, because there wasn't before scribe, there was no tool that did this exact thing. There's a lot of tools that do stuff like this. People use loom to solve this problem. People use different knowledge bases to do this. They, you know, can create an, a standard operating procedure in word or Google docs or something like there's a lot of tools that like do pieces of it, but scribe does this one thing extremely well and really fast and just saves people time. So to your point, to your question, we take those problems that people have. How do I like? What are the challenge? Like, so, okay, take a half step back. I stopped between G2. One of my stops was at an agency just six months. I'd never heard of it. SOP or standard operating procedures. Uh, they were, I hated them. Like, why do we have to create this document that's updated all the time? They're super important for an agency, um, to make sure everyone's doing the exact same thing. You're delivering the exact same process to your clients. Uh, and if something goes out of step, you know, what was done and how to, you know, react to that but hated keeping them updated. They're so manual. We like had to take time away from treating our client and like making sure we're delivering great results to keep documentation updated. So what are the like SOPs take a long time. So let's write about the challenges of SOPs. Let's show people SOPs take a long time. They're hard to keep updated. You know, once they fall out of date, then um, you're like why that's important to keep them up to date and make sure your processes are all organized. Scribe solves all of those things. Really easy to update your process, really easy to create a process, to find them. Um, so we're looking at showing people those exact things. What are the challenges of SOPs? Where do they go wrong? And show them that you can do it this way. Here's even a word template if you really want it. But also, here's a way to do it much faster. And so it's just presenting the things that people are searching around, standard operating procedures, or all the different synonyms. People call them to lots of different things. Um, but really focusing on the challenge, the problems people see in that space, and then writing that content, showing them all the um, information they expect to see in that blog post, and then presenting Scribe is this like, oh my gosh, I wish I had known about this two years ago before I wasted all that time creating ugly um, documentation really slowly that fell out of date. So uh, that's kind of the, the concept and it's working. It's both working from a traffic perspective. There's a lot of people that have this problem. It shows us that like there's a good market fit if there's people searching for all the stuff that are probably our product solves. Um, but also when people do come to our pages, 
writing around those challenges, writing around like what their their issues are. That's been really good at turning people into to Scribe users. I would like to ask out of curiosity, uh, are there content creators who use the product? I mean, uh, I've made a note for, for our team to discuss uh, about uh, about that, if they have seen it and if they've tried it and if they would like to give it a try. Because what happens in many cases is that we create content that's based on, like we need to illustrate a process uh, based on the product of uh, one of our clients. And we use obviously screenshots and, you know, Loom and so on. So uh, I would like to, to know if there are, if you mentioned one of the use cases, SOPs, which I think makes sense, but are there, do you see value there for content creators? Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I think being a content person myself, I've seen this use case and it's been a little bit too, you know, the team doesn't see it, not that they don't see this, but it wasn't the first thought process. It wasn't the first persona, um, but we've seen it happen organically enough that it's something that we are thinking about how we kind of see that more and more. Um, and as like bigger content creators create, I think it'll just have a kind of a flywheel effect, right? If I see you doing it, and I'm another SEO person who wants to be like you and create an agency one day, I'll start doing it. Um, we've seen a lot of interesting use cases. Just the other day, we saw like a someone who has a um, a video game and they have a, I guess like a donate if you want type of free video game. They created all their documentation. And so we have seen, we've seen that kind of naturally occur. Um, you know, enough to start doing it and trying to seed it more. Um, I've seen in my own LinkedIn posts that if I create, you know, here's how you should use Ahrefs to do something and then just link to my guide in the comments. People have clicked on it. People have saved it. People have actually turned into Scribe users, which is great for us. Um, but we've seen other people do that exact same thing. And so I think it's, it's a little bit of a muscle memory thing. We want to obviously have as many content creators doing it as possible, but um, it's nice that we've made no push there at all. We've not tried anything and people have started to do it organically. Uh, there's a lot of blog posts, people write content that's very much targeted at, you know, uh, an organic keyword, it's optimized. It looks exactly like my keywords and content just for a different subject. And then people are embedding their like how to guides within that. Um, often for, you know, a, a, a series of processes that involve different apps, or even like if you're uh, a content team for a specific product, then you show somebody how to do something in your app. You create that really quickly. And then you know that people can go save that to their own library. Um, it's just a nice way to kind of connect your content or give like connect you and your brand to them. And so I think people come back to that all the time. Like if someone comes back and sees my Ahrefs guide all the time, they're thinking about me. And if I one day want to sell them content playbooks or something, they keep seeing my name. And so it's a, I think there's a ton of opportunity there. We've seen a little bit, uh, an area probably for us to invest in more. I want to discuss uh, some of the things that you do at uh, Scribe uh, and dive a bit deeper into into those things. Um, but I, I would like to take you back a bit to, to your time at G2 because I, I find this time to be very exciting. Um, and you mentioned Levi Olmsted. I hope that I got the, the name uh, right, uh, who led the link building and content distribution strategy. Can you please share any insights like we, we did earlier for, for ConStrategy uh, from acquiring more than 5,000 referring domains in less than uh, two years uh, with, you know, uh, uh, your uh, collaboration uh, with, with Levi? Yeah, so, so Levi, first of all, one of my best friends, he's an absolute genius. I still talk to him. I talk to him almost every week. We talk about nothing. We talk about link building. So I just, he's one of these people that you want to 
build with, you want to problem solve with. Always super curious. Um, how we got started, like one of our first link building tactics, we just looked at all of G2's blogs. There's 700 of them at this point. They're not doing very much, but there's 700 of them. What gets the most links? There aren't many because we've written nothing that's getting found that's being that's super linkable. But one of the first things we found was G2 used to make these grids for events. Um, they made one for uh, inbound. Five or six companies linked to it. It's just this vanity grid. It didn't mean very much. Just, but look, we're a cool company at inbound. People linked to that. So we had this hypothesis, like, and Levi really drove this, but how do we, let's do some more of these. So we started doing like these country and city based, the best products in Chicago, best products in San Francisco, best products in Poland, et cetera. We did 35 of these and then, and people would link to these naturally, but then we started, and this is one of his ideas was we created this like PR like statement that someone could put on their blog. We were named one of the best products in Poland. We're in this category. Look at our G2 profile. So you'd have a link to the blog post, link to the category, link to the profile. It was like 25% hit rate, at least on people publishing verbatim this exact copy to their own blog. So this little one month campaign, when we were really falling behind on backlinks, suddenly drove like 400 brand new referring domains to the site, to all these key categories. You know, sometimes it drove it to a category we didn't care about, but often it was the CRM category, the product project management or whatever, these things that we really wanted. We didn't do any cold outreach asking people to put links into our category pages. Um, so just this awesome campaign of like reverse engineering what's worked before. And then how do you do that 50 times rather than just doing it once? Uh, we started small. We tested with Poland was our very first one. And then once that worked and we had no connections in Poland, okay, let's do these other ones. Um, he also, I mean, I use a lot of these and like it built upon these now and we're talking more like 2018, 2019, but, you know, finding real communities and people that were doing kind of the same thing. These people either creating their own content and knowing they needed links or these people with a lot of connections and, you know, instead of writing a guest post and getting one link or two links just back to G2, you'd write a guest post and get a link for Jake over here at this company and this person over there at this company and this person over there at this company. And it doesn't look like you're getting too many links back to you. But then when they write a guest post, you get the link over, you know, there's this, this little guest post network. I don't think for people who've done a lot of link building that that's like that dramatic, but that was one of the ways that we really jump started. Definitely relationships. I think we see a lot of link builders that say, I only want like they're they're judged on rec uh, referring domains so they will get one link from you bye i never want to talk to you again but my what is an sop article needs lots of referring domains my how does this work needs links my other page over here needs links so why wouldn't i want three links from hubspot like it just doesn't make sense like but link builders are trained to look at one domain so for him it was very much about creating um like real relationships that you could go to somebody anytime they'd be linking to you. Um, you know, where we create a free software list, re reaching out to the people in that list, sharing it with them, starting a conversation there. It's a really easy touch point. Like a cold outreach email doesn't get responded to very often. But when you say I've included you in this, look, there's a lot of value here. Um, anything we're missing, then you can have a real conversation with somebody often create a link building relationship from there. Not every time, but if you have real conversations with real people, your links, like will grow because you'll find opportunities together and they'll know that you're a real person, not somebody treating them as a transaction. So that's like very high level, just his general thought process to it. Um, but I think that those are some of the the key ways that we really built that and scaled. Like, and we went from zero referring domains in the learn blog to 1500 in the spirit, like within a year. And so that comes from real relationships and creating content that people want to link to.
I think Levi is one of the, you know, should be one of our next guests uh, so that we can discuss uh, all these interesting things uh, with with him as well. Uh, so I, I may need a, an introduction here. Um, the last question that I have for you uh, regarding your time at, uh, at G2 is regarding hiring. Uh, you, you hired 17 con marketeers and created the team structure before G2 hired Kevin Indyk, who joined as the VP of con SEO. Can you please share what in your experience are the characteristics of a, of a good con marketer? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, in G2, like just through unreal resources of that content marketing team, we scaled so quickly and there's definitely things, especially like structurally we do differently, but I think we found unbelievable content marketers. I mean, you had Bridget on the other week and, you know, she's running marketing at a at a great company right now like there are a lot of people like that that have gone on to bigger and better things and there's like this little tree of g2 content marketers that are all over the place right now um i mean you like i come from this journalism background i'm obviously a little biased towards journalists but it's not like every journalist turns into a great content marketer you need like a journalist that's really scrappy and cares about the result doesn't just write this article and so focus on ap style like when we're doing content marketing my ap style doesn't really matter you know, it's does my article rank? Did I understand the problems that my audience is trying to to answer? And did I show them how my product fits their questions? So any people that like can understand that some of our best content um, marketers that we hired were straight out of school, actually, or had just had one job, but they were like incredibly hungry. They cared a ton and they showed like that they were willing to do a bunch of things. They're just generally interested people. Like they wanted to understand problems, just do a lot of things. Um, those people were kind of awesome. We actually hired some more, like, I feel like oh, some, there were people that were very seasoned. They were great. There were also people that had done it one way and like, you couldn't retrain them or they didn't have that like drive to figure out the why their content worked or didn't. These people straight out of school, we took a chance on, I think like really uh, paid us dividends for doing that. Um, hard to do. You can miss on those people as well. And you know, like you get some inexperienced people. Uh, it won't be for every job, but there's definitely people like, we took, I don't know, someone with a graphic design background who just was looking for this job, but we had great conversations with and felt really good about their creativity. And they turned into one of our best content marketers and they're doing just great things now still. So um, yeah, I, I like look for the scrap, like the scrappy, every writer person applying to your content writing job knows how to write like words and sentences and things. It's like that scrappiness and that understanding that's hard to unlock and that we really try to look for. That's a, that's an issue with con writers, as we were discussing before the, before we jump on the, uh, we, before we, uh, turn on the, the recording. But the, the thing with, with con writers is that like everyone can think that they can write words. You know, it's words. I can, I can do that. I, I am a con writer or a con marketer, content marketer. But the thing is that it's not as easy. And, um, especially if you, you have seen, um, the, the work and the outcome of different writers, you can tell uh, who is actually a seasoned writer, who can adapt their style and create really smart content that's uh, adapted to the brand's guidelines and, um, uh, you know, create something really unique um, compared to another writer who just writes, you know, merely, merely words. So I think there is a big difference there. And um, I think that, the hiring process 
is the one that we should all be more thoughtful of, you know, I mean, with hiring, you never know, but um, you need to find ways of and mechanisms and processes of like trying to be sure as, as much as possible, at least one of the ways we are doing that is through uh, paid tasks nowadays. Uh, other companies may have other, other uh, ways of, of ensuring, let's say, um, that they will make the, the right decision. Um, I think that the, the time that you spend at G2 is really fascinating and, uh, you sharing all these things, uh, and hearing them from, from you firsthand is, is really interesting. Um, let's get back to Scribe, uh, where I would like to, uh, discuss a couple of things, uh, about how you do things at Scribe nowadays. Um, one of the things that I really liked about, uh, your approach to, I don't know if you could call it SEO, um, maybe product led SEO. I don't know. You will tell me. Uh, but I really liked your explore section, which, as I understand, uh, illustrates the value of the product and at the same time drives organic traffic to the website. Not bad. Uh, can you please explain the logic behind this um, this section? Why did you create it and how does it work for you? Yeah, as you're mentioning, and for the, the listener, if you go to scribehow.com slash explore, there's this series about a thousand pages right now, and they automatically create once enough scribes have been, you know scribe is a single guy but once enough scribes have been created one of these like launches for a new like software tool so we have a scribehow.com slash asana so everybody can go like if there are asana guides you would go there and you can look through guides that are public that someone else has created or you're you know you someone on your i guess it wouldn't be on your team it's publicly available asana guides yeah so it works really like these were originally created, trying to just categorize, help to get these publicly um, available. So many scribes are being created. We want to get them found by Google. Google help. This is just helping with crawl and things. And now it's turning out that they're actually a nice little organic traffic play, right? People are, like Google is seeing that there's valuable content here. People are, when they do find this, they're pleasantly surprised. They didn't know what to expect because it's a new thing, but then they're clicking through, they're looking at different guides, they're using those. Um, so it's something that over time as more and more people create Asana guides, or it would just be this awesome library of Asana content. Obviously, we'll need to figure out when there's a thousand guides to Asana, how to order those. That's not just most viewed scribes or most clapped scribes or whatever, but it's turning into this nice little experiment that Google's treating like seeing a lot of value in the, the users are. And yeah, it was uh, something that we didn't expect a ton of organic traffic from, but it's happened really quickly. And so, uh, yeah, definitely a product led thing where our product is um helping to just grow our our site traffic people are signing up organically um yeah nice little accident or you know experiment for us we will definitely drop it in the show notes uh, and at the same time we are working on a list of uh more than 250 uh SaaS SEO examples let's say where we feature different pages for different reasons that we find to be very interesting in terms of uh content and SEO and we will include it there as well uh because I really like it and it's like a happy accident like uh you 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 illustrate the value of the product and at the same time you think you know what people are looking for uh how to do this with you know, X product, I don't know, uh, Asana or Ahrefs or whatever. Why don't we feature that? And is it purely like user generated or do you handle some of the creation as well? Yeah, we've, you know, we created as a little mini experiment ourselves just to see how Google was uh, crawling and indexing and then what, what, how they were treating scribes. Like we created a couple hundred low difficulty, high volume scribes and like, 
they've picked up keywords. They haven't necessarily ranked on page one, but part of that was because they didn't have this like type of index page. So it was, let's see how this would go. But we haven't done that at scale by any means. I think there's value in the users creating it in the longer run. And then, you know, users creating content that, so this content's great because we've, so many people have created a, how do I do this in Asana? You know, so many companies have that exact same guide internally. Maybe we should just like democratize this and let people stop creating content that everyone's done before. And then spend more time creating the content that's extra valuable, right? Like your SEO playbook would be so valuable, but nobody has that, right? Just so you have that, but how to do one step thing in Ahrefs, 50 companies have already made that. So it's democratized the really easy stuff that everyone like should know how to do that maybe the product should have done themselves. Let's put it all in this like explore page. We'll or, we'll figure out how to organize it when there's enough content and spend the time actually building like the really um, deep guides that are specific to your company. Don't make those public, right? Keep those private. But yeah, it's all user generated or probably like 98% user generated content in those explore pages. Uh, that's very interesting. And I think that there are many interesting things and great things that can come out of this. Uh, I really, really like it. It's what we call, and we will publish a, a post about that, I don't know, maybe uh, this week or next week, on algorithmic, algorithmic VS heuristic SEO. Uh, for me, algorithmic SEO is, you know, just checking all the, um, the boxes, or the best practices, following them, and so on. While heuristic SEO is uh, things like that. Uh, I, you know, try something new without necessarily thinking about the SEO value that this can have. But, you know, uh, moving forward, I guess that you could, you could say that in some cases you, you may create the, the demand for, for something like that and set a different expectations for people. You know what? It's not going to be like every other guide out there. This is going to be a bit different. Uh, so I really like this, uh, this approach. By the way, speaking of content and doing things differently and um, providing value in a different way and I guess creating more meaningful experiences. Um, I would like to know your thoughts on Google's helpful content update. Um, do you think it will change things um, when it comes to content creation? Um, and if so, in, in what extent? Yeah, I think we, I mean, we're, you know, a week or a little bit over a week since the the expected release and we haven't seen you know if you go to that SEM rush tool that shows you the volatility like there hasn't been that much volatility um for a couple of days we saw some funky stuff in um hrefs where some of our like really high volume high ranking keywords we went from 10th to 80th and it was like is this how this is going to be and then flipped right back so i, I think there's some volatility it's definitely on a site-by-site -site, um basis right now we haven't seen it i bet we do see stuff roll out over the next few months i think in general and i mean maybe this is just like me parroting some linkedin posts but like if you're creating content that's useful and you're doing things the right way like it shouldn't be that big of a hit to you if anything it should help in the long run um i think where i'm most curious and i think that you'll this is my understanding and what i'm most curious on is that how a how google is actually like sensing and treating AI content. I've been wary of using an AI tool, even though I know, like I've seen pretty solid content come out of an AI writing tool. I'm so nervous because of like this looming threat of this type of update. Here it is, what's gonna happen. So I think a lot of us are sitting there because it is a game changer, right? There's a lot of content, even just like sections of content that can be created with AI. And I don't think you would lose a ton of value. Um, 
But if Google can sense that as well as they think they can, and it is hit as bad as it could be, like it would stop those tools from being a game changer. Um, so that's the one spot where I both think it will still happen. I don't know how it will and how big, like it's how much of an impact it will have. That's where I'm really curious, uh, you know, over the next six months to see. I think that, you know, anything that has been exploited in the past and there has been an abuse, uh, Google sooner or later will take action. Um, and I think that AI, con AI generated content is one of these things. Um, I mean, sooner or later with this update or another update, uh, in the future, Google will, will do something about it. Uh, because I, I do believe that what we need is not so much words and, you know, more text, more content, but more meaningful experiences online, something that you like will really stick with you. You will, you will remember that after you visit that, that page, as we were discussing earlier about the, uh, explore section on, uh, Scribe's website. Now, as we are running out of time, I have one last question for you, uh, which is, um, you've experienced SEO as the manager of SEO at a large agency, as an in-house employee at a SaaS company, as a freelance consultant, and as a professor at a university. Sync on this and SEO uh, through all these different lenses. What are, in your opinion, the things that most companies miss when it comes to uh, con and SEO? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I see is so many companies check a box with content, right? They hear, they see your post on LinkedIn, maybe a couple others. They, like a founder, double clicks into SEO for a week. Okay, we need to do this. They hand it off to somebody or they hire an agency. It's treated as like, okay, now we're doing it. That's good enough. Uh, we saw this at G2. We wrote 500 articles in six months with no strategy. We all took a trip. We took a trip to the Caribbean on G2's dime to celebrate how we hit our goals. The content did virtually nothing, right? Like we treated it as a thing that will like take care of itself. I think people like content does take time, even though my content in four months has grown really quickly. If we just let this run for another year, the, the, the traffic would double, triple, quadruple. I don't know. But just because content will take time to like, it does take time to rank doesn't mean it will automatically rank. People think like, if you do it, it just automatically happens. You just have to wait a year. And so I think a lot of companies don't look at the right leading indicators. You know, they're not looking at, are they getting original, like first keywords? Are their keywords growing overall? Are they starting to get more and more impressions? Like those leading indicators of future traffic and future signups or whatever your conversions are, they don't look at those at all. They expect, we just wait a year, this happens. And it doesn't. And then you've sunk a bunch of money. You've wasted a bunch of time. There's just this opportunity cost loss because you didn't do it right the first time. Um, and so I think that for the companies that do content, there's just this huge swath of them that don't know what to look for. I think it just automatically happens. And then other people that know what they're doing can come in, even with a smaller website, a brand new domain like Scribe, and can come take a bunch of traffic from these websites that should be doing it. Um, I think that's one of them. And the other one is like traffic for traffic's sake. And this is actually something we did at G2. Um, leadership above us said, no matter what you do, get traffic. So we wrote a bunch of stuff that got a lot of traffic, not a ton of conversions, like maybe like some stuff definitely brought more people to a product page or to a, you know, a software list or something. There's other content that didn't have that end game, but my, like what I was told to do is get traffic at all costs and we'll figure out the conversions later. And if you're not thinking about the conversion, why someone would come in from the get-go, 
like that's a big problem to solve down the road and you might have a bunch of content you might have a bunch of traffic that will never do anything for your site so that's been a huge learning i think with if you have a SaaS tool or a specific company like g2 it was so broad it was easy to get lost but if you're doing one thing if you're solving how people document processes for scribe your content better show people that and then show them how scribe is the solution so those are probably the two things i see the most often that um i think people fail at or or just miss that's a great way to wrap things up uh jacob where can people find out more about you and get in touch yeah definitely feel free to connect on linkedin um would love to i just love having conversations on there about seo and content like i'm learning something every single day uh hope to to just connect with really good seo and content people so dm you know talk in the the comments i'll i would love to see your own post too so that'd be the best way that was all very insightful really enjoyed this conversation it, it brought uh, uh interesting perspectives and interesting ideas and also learnings from uh, your experiences uh, at g2 which is very uh which is a very very interesting case study for for me so thank you very much for for being on the show yeah thanks so much for having me thank you for staying with us until the end before you go i'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode ahs Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com slash AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.